On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Lance, Lance Down of the Locked On Kentucky podcast to discuss Cason Wallace and how he did in college and how he will translate to the NBA. All this and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles, follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. You can even text the show, 405-963-3686 on subtext. So check that out as well. On today's show, we're joined by Locked On Kentucky podcast host, Lance Dowd to talk about Cason Wallace and how he did in college, how his game will translate to the NBA. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. It's the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked On. Lance, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. The first order of business. How do you pronounce the number 10 overall pick in the NBA draft? How do you pronounce his name? Who was the number 10 overall pick in the NBA draft? It was Cason Wallace. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Case. I didn't realize he went 10. I thought he went 11. Yeah, it is Cason Wallace. That's how I pronounced it. Um, that's that's how I've I've heard it. Um, if it's incorrect, I will immediately change it, though. So that has been a huge topic of discussion leading into uh, his NBA career on draft night. Sam Presti was calling him Cason, mm. and then. On his rookie intro presser, Kaysen said, you can you can pronounce it either way, but he prefers Kaysen Wallace. Mm. And then during Summer League, he went back to Kaysen instead of Kasan. So it's been a whirlwind. And so I was wondering what, what Kentucky folks were calling him for the past year. But he seems comfortable with anything except Carson. You cannot call him Carson, but you can call him Kaysen, Kasan, anything else. So we're going to stick with Kaysen Wallace because that's what's on the official pronunciation guide. Yeah, so it's actually interesting. I watch a lot of NBA 2K simulations, and for the past year, he's been Carson Wallace in the game um, before he got drafted. And so a lot of people have just kind of acclimated to Carson. Some people say Kaysan. Uh, I've said Kaysan Wallace uh, since he since he's come uh, to the Wildcats, but I, I I would accept any any pronunciation that he throws at us, honestly. Yeah, it is. It is crazy, and the two K like simulations are funny too because the draft classes oftentimes uh, mess up some names, and so you get you get kind of used to that versus what their mm -hmm. actual name is. But what were the expectations coming into last season for Casey Wallace at Kentucky? Well, I, I think that he ended up uh, projecting out kind of where he started, uh, you know, whenever he committed to the Wildcats, which was uh, somewhere in the lottery. You, you really liked his defense coming out of high school. I said that the, he may be one of the best on-ball uh, perimeter defenders, uh, just de defenders, period, uh, heading into uh, the college basketball ball sphere last year. And I think he really did show that uh, throughout his time at Kentucky. That was the expectation was for him to be a lengthy combo guard that Benson 
uh, was, was kind of steady. And whenever he got to Kentucky, I think you really got to see that uh, unfold. I was very excited, very high, uh, Rylan, on Cason Wallace coming out of high school. In fact, I, I continued to say uh, before Kentucky even tipped off uh, their first game of the season last se- uh, last year, I continued to say he may already be my favorite player. And as the season progressed, uh, I continued to harp on the fact that, man, uh, Cason, while there were some shortcomings, there were some in- inconsistencies, I still really, really liked his game overall because of how he carried himself. And, and coming out of high school, you saw a lot of those similar things just simply carry over. He, hes I, I don't want to say that he has not changed because I think that he, he has developed and during his season at Kentucky, things definitely, I think, changed for the better. But uh, coming out of high school, man, he was tabbed as what I think we still see today. Just a very strong uh, defender that's a very steady presence, I feel like, on the court. So then we enter the season come November. And and what did you first see from him? Because I know that his season was kind of split maybe into like two parts at Kentucky. Yeah, so for the first few games uh, of the season, uh, in that non-con slate. I can't remember exactly how the games broke down, but you saw Kentucky really struggling out the gate against a couple of different opponents, Gonzaga, Michigan State. That was a game I got to see in person, and I, I got to watch Kaysen alongside some of Kentucky's other guards really struggle under pressure. That's kind of what the what my first impressions were of him. Is like, man, although he has been just kind of a steady hand, whenever it gets to crunch time, whenever it gets to okay, the offense has got to find a way to get a bucket here, whether it be to get back into the game, whether it be to hold off an opponent, whether it be to prevent Kentucky from going into double overtime against Michigan State. And and guys like Wallace, you know, whenever they were given their opportunities, they weren't able to execute. And I believe you saw it in different games like Gonzaga. I think Michigan was a game where Kentucky just really couldn't get any offense going, and Wallace had a hand in that. It's just in that non-conference slate, I think we saw a lot of growing up from various players on Kentucky's squad, but I think Kaysen was definitely uh, one of the people that uh, fans criticized the most because he was not able uh, to kind of get things going, uh, you know, relative to the rest of his game throughout the rest of the game, which would always be solid. I think it would always be uh, fun to watch if you really love defense and there would be the occasional flashes of, you know, dunks on fast breaks and such, but I just really saw a a lack of confidence, it felt like, whenever Kentucky needed him to perform in the clutch. And to be honest with you, I don't really know if that's what his game is, but I think we got to see that kind of change as as the season went along. So we we saw that first half of the season kind of progress, and then it eventually led up to you know, some, some injuries that he dealt with and kind mm-hmm. of how that changes game his role changed as well. And it all went to a moment at the end of the NCAA tournament against the Thunder's 50th overall pick and, and an exciting game there against Kansas state. So there's obviously a lot to get to on today's show, but I do want to tell you right now about our good friends over at FanDuel folks, because FanDuel is America's number one sports book. It's the official sports book of locked on and major league baseball at FanDuel.com. You go there right now, finner.com slash locked on, and you can start your first swing at betting on MLB. Uh, and you can get 10 times your uh, first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. So if you just bet 20 bucks, you can land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So that's $200 uh, if uh, for you to spend on anything from the money line over under projection, prop bets, anything you want to. And the app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, you get paid instantly. It's that 
easy to use over there. There's no better place to bet on MLB or any other sport at Fandor.com slash LockedOn, America's number one sports book. Go there right now, Fandor.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's Fandor.com slash LockedOn. And right now you can just simply type that in and bet on baseball with the Angels heading to Detroit as one and a half run underdogs. I'd take that bet against Detroit. So go there right now, Fandor.com slash LockedOn. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, Attacking Thunder Basketball. For your second listen, check out Lockdown Kentucky. Check out Lockdown NBA. And Lance, we're talking Casey Wallace's career at Kentucky. So let's start this next segment with the on-ball, off-ball nature of his offense. Mm-hmm. Which did you think that he thri- was more comfortable and thrived in more? And when did that kind of flip happen? And why did the flip happen for Kentucky? So I, you have to look at the injuries, I think, whenever you talk about, you know, what was better, what was more comfortable, what wasn't. So for the first half of the season, you know, through that non-conference slate, I mean, statistically, I think Kentucky kind of utilized him both ways. I think they tried to kind of figure out what he was most comfortable with. Severe Wheeler has been or had been Kentucky's starting, you know, one for the past couple of seasons. And I think Kentucky was, you know, mostly running the offense through him. But whenever Wheeler kind of went out with an injury, Wallace had to step in. And I think statistically there, there were a few games where he was impressive. And offensively, I mean, he was a really solid shooter for the first half of the season. And then the injuries started to pile up. And I think Kentucky started to use him a little bit more off ball, it felt like at times. And his numbers, you know, his numbers dropped, I think, considerably. And you go and look at his game logs from LSU, which was the second conference game of the season, all the way until the end of the year. He went from overall, he's like a 34% uh, three-point shooter, 22.7%. He shot 40.6% from the field. He averaged more turnovers, less points. I mean, the, the injuries really took a toll on him, and Kentucky was shifting him around with everybody and their mother on this roster. I mean, there were a lot of different injuries for Kentucky. At one point, they had their starting shooting guard slash backup three, as their point at one point they had their power forward for different sets running point guard in Jacob Toppin, who is now with the Knicks. Uh, They, they really struggled to find a way to direct their offense comfortably. And Wallace was just one of those guys that wasn't a hundred percent and wasn't able to go out there. I think at times and execute the way that he would have liked to. And that's kind of what we were saying about him heading into this draft. Rylan is that, you know, I really wish we could have seen this Kentucky team healthy, especially with guys like him, to see what he did in both areas. You talk about the on-ball offense. I was very impressed with his vision and with his anticipation, I think, for different sets that Kentucky wanted to run. I liked his passing. Ty Ty Washington, a year ago, I think was very similar in the fact that they just knew where to get the ball and they knew how to you know, rack up some assists at times. And Wallace also, I think, was a little bit more aggressive, I think, on ball than what you may see out of some of Kentucky's guards over the past couple of years, just simply because of his size. I was impressed with his ability to get into the lane. I liked his floater game. I, I liked what he did getting into the rim. Um, and then off ball, I was less impressed, I think, with what Kaysen Wallace did. If my memory serves me correctly, watching them game in and game out, I preferred Wallace with the ball in his hands as opposed to waiting for somebody to get it to him. 
because I felt like he was more in control of what was going on than any other player that Kentucky had on roster. So again, they kind of mixed some things up. They kind of shuffled some things around. Statistically, you saw a dip once he got hurt after that non-con slate. I mean, obviously it gets tougher uh, once you start to play in the SEC, but man, injuries, rotation issues, um, the the coaching staff really struggling to find an answer and putting case in and alongside other guards in uncomfortable situations. It just led to a lot of inconsistency. And I, I would have preferred if healthy Wallace had been Kentucky's one from the, from, from day one. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting as like a, a, a talking point for what Kaysen can do. I think that one of the, uh, the kind of appeals for him for OKC is that versatility that he's capable mm-hmm of playing on and off the ball. Obviously the Thunder are very guard heavy. And so I think that whenever you watch case in the the summer league, even you saw some moments where uh, against Dallas in his debut, he he really thrived as a catch and shoot three point shooter off the ball. He went six for 10 uh, from beyond the arc in that one. He finished his summer league after five games uh, shooting just below uh, 40% from three, 38% from three uh, for, for the summer league stats over those five games after that, tremendous outburst uh, against Dallas. And then he's actually kind of, it was kind of the reverse for him. He struggled a little bit on ball, trying to navigate the pick and roll against bigger, taller defenders than you see in college uh, and, and really was able to help himself out off ball because he had that catch and shoot shot going a little bit. So whenever you envision Case and Wallace in the NBA offensively, because we know we're going to get to that defense here in a second, which is where he's going to make his money offensively. Would, would you, would you rather see him, as someone who you trust to pass the baton to let him lead your your second unit as the main ball handler or would you rather see him kind of complement uh, other stars in this league I, I think that it's a really interesting point and one that i was going to get to here in a second just because of how kentucky's roster is so different than the situation he's going to enter at, at okc and you got to see, like you mentioned in the summer league, the debut, he goes off, you know, he had a half court shot going in. everything was falling uh, for, for him in, in that first game against Dallas. And you got to see Wallace healthy with a competent, healthy team alongside him play very well off the ball. And it's something that almost kind of surprised me. But whenever you think about it, whenever you think about a situation and you go back and actually watch some of the games, you begin to understand, okay, it's just a simply it's simply a different landscape and it's one that allows Wallace now to kind of open things up and really show his ability. I think when you look at him offensively for the Thunder, because of how guard heavy they are, you've got guys like Shea on roster, absolutely let him let him run at the two. Let him play some defense and then let him be somebody that can run off ball. Now, is that to say he can't run an offense? No, but again, you look at the Thunder's roster, completely different than one Kentucky had a season ago, obviously, because it's a professional roster, but you've got better ball handlers. You've got better guys that can set you up. I think Wallace will be best served as somebody with OKC, as someone that can can be that catch-and-shoot type of guy, can be that dude that gets you a couple of steals a game, that plays hard defense against other star guards in this league, I would say he's almost like a Drew Holiday type of player, except he's not going to be as on the ball as much as Drew. Maybe that's a bad comp. I, I don't I don't study the NBA as hard as I do the college game, but I feel like there are some similarities to be had there in the fact that he can get you some defense, and then on top of that, he can get you some buckets on occasion. And I think that he, to answer your question again, I think that he would be best served in a role at the two, but 
he, he can do both. So the last question about his offense before he transitioned to his defense, in your opinion, you know, you, you watch his, his game and, and you watch, you know, both seasons and you're, and you're telling the story of Kentucky's season from November to the end of January. So like the first half of the year, kind of, he shot 40% from three. Mm-hmm. And then he ends the year and his season total from three is 34.6% from three, which obviously does not suggest great things uh, in the second half of the year after shooting 40% from three. Uh, what, what went into that? Is it, is it as simple as like, Hey, he had some back issues uh, at that point, And then the three point shot kind of went down. Is there more of a fluke nature to his three? How would you summarize his shooting ability? I would summarize his shooting ability as, to be honest with you, more comfortable in the catch and shoot. I did not really see a lot of things off the dribble that impressed me with Kaysen last season. And again, I think OKC is going to be fine with that because of who they have that can do that for them. Um, But I was more impressed with what he was able to do, kind of stick into his spot and shooting. And I don't mean I don't mean like he can't dribble around a screen, stop and shoot a three. That, that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that I just was not impressed with him on the move, getting a shot up, especially from distance. I was not impressed with that consistently. You mentioned the injuries, you know, and I think that was something that came into play as the season went along. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was a back injury for Kaysen that, that, that just really uh, was was a struggle for him. And then you again, you look at his game logs. It was shooting less and making less uh, during the SEC slate. So it wasn't like he was just chucking up more threes, trying to get more shots up, or it wasn't like he was just shooting absolutely nothing. He was shooting about a, a three less a game uh, during the conference slate there and pair that with the injuries, pair that with the awkward rotations. It left Kaysen, I think, in a spot where he could not show what he was truly capable of and he was it was not setting him up to succeed in the areas that he could really succeed in so that's kind of what I would describe that's how I would describe his shot making ability is just I think better in the catch and shoot better uh, not on the move and then statistically breaking it down um, I, I don't really think that there was a whole lot that he could have done differently to have changed how things progressed last season which was just kind of a slow decline. Coming up, we're going to talk about Casey Wallace's defense. That is going to be his bread and butter in the NBA. What stood out the most on the defensive end of the floor for Casey Wallace at Kentucky? Plus, we're going to have some curveballs at the end of this because there's a lot of Kentucky guards on this Thunder roster currently, including we're going to discuss the tournament game against Keontae Johnson and Kansas State, all coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. You everydayers have already gotten a review of marketing as contract extended, Team USA selections for Chet and J-Dub, plus a roster projection and a mailbag podcast. Now you're getting this great podcast with Lance of Lockdown Kentucky to discuss Case and Wallace in depth. And let's start there again with Casey Wallace defensively. What part of his defense stood out the most to you when you're sitting there and you're watching every single minute of Kentucky basketball? You're probably watching the games multiple times. Like What stood out the most to you as just, oh yeah, he excels at this defensively? I think that there are different types of defenders uh, across the board. You've got the guys that are kind of like the scrappy, kind of like you know fighting hard because they ne- don't necessarily have the size or the ability. They're just kind of 
over committing to things. You've got guys in the NBA that are just physically dominant and just kind of impose their will. And then you've got, you've got guys like Case and Wallace who, again, I want to go back to just, and, and you have to actually watch it to understand the steady presence. You know, you talk about guys that have strong upper body control and are able to kind of move and glide, I think, on offense and on defense. I think somebody that's very popular that I think has great body control is Chris Paul, you know, somebody that's able to move with the ball really, really well. But whenever you talk about guys on defense with their body control, I mean, it's another level. And to see guys like Casey Wallace stick with their man, just kind of glide smoothly, move along with them. He never got lost. He never overcommitted. He never got antsy. He never got jittery or energetic on D de- or overly energetic on defense. It was just, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Where are you going? And it was just really impressive to see him never break down as a, as a freshman, as an 18 year old, 19 year old kid, never break down or at least not consistently against his man. And that's the type of defender. I think that you're going to be really excited about moving to the NBA, but it wasn't just, Hey, I'm going to prevent you from getting a shot up. I'm not sitting here saying he was stoic. Like he wasn't reaching for steals or anything like that. He averaged two and a half a game in the non-con slate finished this year averaging two. Uh, but I, I really like the presence of case and Wallace on the court because of how it's, it's just kind of, you know how some corners in the NFL are just like overly energetic and talk, but then there are some guys that just, they don't say anything. They go out there, they go about their work and they get stuff done. That's the type of guy case and Wallace is where it's just quiet, efficient defense. And when you talk about what he does on ball, again, it's just, you, you don't really see guys breaking him down often. And when you talk about the perimeter defense, you know, it's just, you don't see guys getting off shots against him off. And it goes back to the six foot four length. So he's the perfect combo guard. He's the perfect defender that you're going to want out there. And whenever you see him actually develop and get some years in the league, I think he has the ability to, to form into one of the NBA's best if he's able to get that type of time. That is going to be very exciting. And I, I think that we saw that a little bit in summer league where no matter who he was tasked with matching up with, it felt like he played at their pace of, of if, if he was a really fast guy, he somehow still kept up with them and was right yeah. in front of him. If he was a very slow, methodical guy, he still was able to be on balance and against that, you know, right in front of that player. So the defense there was great. In your opinion, how many positions can Cason Wallace guard in the NBA? Two, comfortably three if needed. I think that you could see him easily, you know, get one and two, and he can handle a forward or a wing. I, I would not, I would not stretch him down to a guy that's six seven. I, I just wouldn't put him in that in that type of matchup because at that point you're concerned about you know just physically being overpowered. And it truly just depends on the style of player at the three. If you've got somebody that's more of of you know a fluid ball handling type of forward type of three wing type of guy. Absolutely. Let's see if we can try it out. Put him on him. I think Casey Wallace could handle him, but not as good as he could handle one and two. So two, two, one through two. Yes. Put him on a wing. If you need to, I would not go to that matchup to begin to begin with though. That's not, that's not where I would feel comfortable. That is all great stuff. Now the Kentucky season ended against Kansas state and it was a magical Kansas state run. Their team was basically all transfers and uh, they, they were able to go a long way. But it was a matchup between Casey Wallace and Keontae Johnson, and Sam Presti was in the arena, and he ended up drafting 
both of those players. What do you remember from that game? Uh, and is, is there anything specific from Kaysen's game or, or even Kathy Johnson's game that you remember from that contest? Yeah, I remember Kaysen going off. He was like 9 of 11 in that game and just was just an absolute bucket getter for a Kentucky team that, again, just was devoid of offense uh, at, or, at times. And what I remember from that game was Kansas State. <laughs> I, I, you're, this is just going to be me complaining here for a second. I remember Kansas State getting to the rim and not being able to finish in the first half, getting to the rim in the second half and hitting really tough shots and then hitting some bomb threes, one of them from Johnson, maybe a couple of them from Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, uh, just to kind of seal the deal uh, against the Wildcats, against the Kentucky Wildcats, I should say, considering they're both Wildcats. But I remember Kaysen just kind of getting what he wanted to inside the arc, whether it be the floater, whether it be getting to the rim and finishing with layups. And I believe he only had one or two three-point attempts that game. I don't have, I don't have that pulled up, but, but I, I think he might have made the only shot he, ta- he took. Um, from outside the arc. So I just remember Kaysen just getting into the paint and just kind of overpowering uh, people. And that was impressive to see from a guard that, you know, did not do that a ton, um, but but showcased the ability to. And I, I, I hate the fact that Kentucky lost that game. I feel like there were a lot of things that were going against both of those teams actually because of the facility and the weird, the weirdness of of like having to like, rework the goals because apparently something was broken and uh, just not a lot of great shooting, I think, from both sides. And so I just remember a lot of negative things from that game. But Casey Wallace was definitely a bright spot. You nailed it. In that game, Casey, 21 points, uh, and he had nine rebounds, four assists, two steals. He did go one for one from outside. And inside, uh, he shot 81% from the floor uh, on his way to 21 points. That's very incredible in that loss to Kansas state. And he only scored more than that twice. And it was once against Florida and M, but once against Arkansas. Uh, so that was an impressive game. Arkansas had a lot of uh, quality NBA prospects on their roster. So how often would you say that Kaysen went and just was able to transform into this bucket getter? Cause I think that it would be good for Thunder fans to see, to know that or see that because in summer league, you know, it's kind of different. You're trying to find your footing in the NBA. You're trying to uh, you kind of play within your system, play within your team. And you're just kind of, all new and stuff. So whenever Kaysen was in opportunities to play in summer league, just kind of by himself almost, where he was like one of the only premier guys on the, on the court, cause everyone else was resting. Uh, he kind of struggled a little bit offensively. What, what did it look like whenever you stripped down the parts of Kentucky and it was like his team? Uh, how did he go at, about getting those buckets? I, I think that it, you know, it's kind of reflective to, of, to be honest with you, what you, sh- what you saw in, in that Kentucky, Kansas state game, you go and pull up that shot chart and you'll notice he took two mid-range jumpers, both of which that he missed. He made all of his shots in the paint, and he made that one three from outside the arc. Kaysen Wallace, at his best, is somebody that works inside the paint and inside the arc and is able to occasionally get a three-point shot up, selective three-point shooting so that he can be efficient in that area. And it's just kind of blowing by, guys. Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, Auburn, those are a few different teams that Casey Wallace, I think, was really good against last season, just looking at his game logs and scoring wise. A lot of those games, you look at what he was able to do. It was a lot of inside the arc shots uh, outside of the Missouri game where he ended up taking 13 three point attempts. But let's not talk about that. (laughs) I was uh, I was impressed with what Casey was able to do, getting past quick teams and just kind of outmaneuvering them, I think, at times on offense with his speed. And Kentucky was able to do that at different times with their transition offense a season ago. But uh, Wallace, at his best, 
was a selective three-point shooter, um, somebody that utilized his floater game uh, really, really well. And I, I want to emphasize really well. He, he was really able to get those shots going consistently. And somebody that was able to kind of flow with the pace of the other team at times. And we talked about that with his, with it, with his defense. I think you could also see that out, out of his offense as well, whenever he was clicking. I know, you, I know you're very busy. You got a lot going on, uh, especially with football season right under where you cover two SEC programs. So you are truly SEC ready. We're hoping that Oklahoma is SEC ready around these parts, but I appreciate your time. Let's, let's wrap it up here with, in your mind, how good can Cason Wallace be? I think that he can be, he can be a starting combo guard in the NBA, um, depending on the the team that he he sticks with, whether that be the Thunder, whether that be elsewhere. He can be a starting two guard. He may not be statistically the most dominant player, but I think his ceiling is. Um, I think his ceiling is is definitely making some all all defense team uh, defensive teams here in the future, and just kind of being a mainstay. If he's able to get his scoring ability up a little bit, just a little bit, um, I, I think that he's a he's a second or third uh, all NBA type of player every other year. And then the Thunder also roster SGA, who we know is a superstar, but Ty Ty Washington was also dumped off to OKC. And yes, he's he's going to go into the training camp and try to battle for a roster spot. Maybe he earns one. Maybe he is off somewhere else as well. But what what is your take on Ty Ty Washington, having seen him at Kentucky, and then of course seeing the start to his kind of rocky NBA career in a weird organization in Houston? Yeah, Washington, I think was is is a couple of different things. I don't think he's as defensively dominant, but nowhere near uh, as dominant as uh, as Case and Wallace is. But I think they're very similar in the way that they they distribute the basketball both very calm presences. I think that Washington was a better uh, three-point shooter with the ball in his hands. I think he was good catch and shoot, but I also think he was really good, you know, uh, you know, off the dribble shooting, whether that be uh, the mid-range or whether that be outside the arc. So I think Washington is a little bit more fluid in his game and is similar because of the fact that they both have similar statue or stature, same program, um, both combo guards. Um, I think he's probably if you if you had to let's just say and this is not going to happen. Let's just say you put them both out there on the court at the same at the same time. Washington would be your one and Wallace would be your two. I'll just say that. I like that. I like that. And then one last one, just a softball for you about SGA. Did did Kentucky fans whenever he was at Kentucky, like did they did they realize he could be this like he could be like a 30 point per game first team all NBA top five MVP voting guy? I want to say no. <laughs> I want to say no, just because I just because and I think that this is where, where where I'll leave this. Look at some pictures of his frame at Kentucky, and look at his frame now. And if you had told Kentucky fans, "Hey, man, this is what he's going to look like in in uh you know seven eight years," I, I think people would be like, "Oh, well, then he's definitely going to be this that or the other." But because of just how just different uh, he looked and also i think that his game just simply hadn't hadn't evolved um in terms of offensively what he was able to do um if you if you had shown them a picture of him now i think a lot of people would have jumped on the train lance thank you for your time let them know where they can find you on twitter or x or whatever it's called now plus uh, all the work that you do covering these sec programs yeah absolutely you can follow me on twitter at lance Dahl underscore you can follow my show locked on kentucky podcast wherever you get your podcast if you're on youtube 
would appreciate it if you guys went and threw a sub my way. Probably going to have another guard or something for you for you guys in next season. So I'll probably be <laughs> probably uh, be back on the show talking about him too. So yeah, follow me on Twitter. Uh, hit me on uh, hit me on the socials, and then also subscribe to the podcast. I would appreciate it as well. Of course, of course. You know Sam Presti loves his Kentucky Wildcats, so make sure you go check out Locked On Kentucky from now all the way through the end of time until next time. Be good and be good to one another.